0: It's like I'm speaking French, and you're from Neptune. It's like I found the tune, but not the key. It's like I wrote it for a tenor, but I only have a tuba. They say there's plenty of the tuna in the sea, but I don't go the speed of fishing. You're too damn far away. Welcome to Lille. I recently recorded some accounts of my life, accounts of what got me into this anonymous position, archiving from the outer edge of society, details of how I was driven from my hometown, now called Stonewood. Listen to these recordings wherever you're listening to this one, under the name Stonewood, a four-part series. Recording Stonewood confronted me with some hard realizations about the ways I've been seeing and going about things here in Lulu. Thought patterns. What I'd expected to be a matter of just laying down important information for the record launched me, to my surprise, into a whole process of soul-searching. I'm realizing I've been working from a place of fear which has made me distrustful of everything from my marching orders to my drinking water. I'm realizing I've been projecting my teenage self onto Duncan Coons. I've been racked with anxiety over what might happen to Lulu, which risks blunting my perceptions of what's really going on in front of me. It was a major tenet of my training that dishonest forces like to work in misdirection, like a magic trick, to draw your attention over here while the real business is going on over there. So I'm making an effort now to resist being directed, to lower my heart rate, to be, I guess, more present. So I made a cup of tea this morning, using some good-smelling leaves I found in the forest, I tried to start my day with intention, asking myself, Storm Chaser, what are your disharmonies today? What can you do about them? To be honest, I feel like an imposter doing a knockoff of meditation while the world burns around me. But I think I have to be okay with that and let the habit take root. For now, there are three developments I need to address. First, the river water. The tests came back clean. The water is normal, clear, and pure. So what I thought I was seeing, tricks of light on the surface, that was in my head. My knee-jerk reaction to these results was to reject them. Go, no. There is something sinister in the water, which modern tests can't detect. But when I got a good night's sleep and looked at the water again today, yes, it was shimmery. But sometimes water is shimmery. It actually looked beautiful. And not like poison, once I looked at it without fear. Second, the man from the compound who Dr. Trout encountered in Sally's pet shop. Dr. Trout said this.
1: He just kind of stumbled into Sally's pet shop. One of these horrible men. And he comes directly to me. Like he knows me. Like he wants me specifically. And I ask him, Do you need medical attention? Maybe. And then there was a Something a loud humming noise and a buzzing, I think I think from outside. And then Zap just blankness.
0: My video feed captured all of this that the moment doctor Trout went blank, so did the rest of who all was downtown. Everyone standing motionless with vacant expressions and their mouths hanging open a worker from Hooper's Hill emerged from the back door of a vacant antique shop four doors down. I had no idea he'd been hiding in there. He climbed into a golf cart without hurry, pulled it around to the front of Sally's pet shop, and calmly led the disoriented renegade employee to the passenger seat of the little vehicle. The renegade did not resist. They then proceeded back up to Hooper's Hill, The people of Lulu only came back to life once the men from the hill were securely back in the compound. The gate shut behind them. Third, there's the matter of Carl O'Connell's birthday watch, which was never gifted. Who has my birthday watch? And why? Some information has come to light in regard to the birthday watch. Sergeant Marianne O'Connell.
2: I knew Carl wanted the watch. I thought it was a good watch because Carl wanted it. And I think it did something for me not to give it to Carl. And Steve really did something right. And there's a precedent for cops giving each other watches. And Steve's the one who earned a commendation. And I'm sure that's all it was.
0: Oh, yeah, you love me. But as if to say, however. You speak it with a hiccup in your breath. I know you left it all. Dance floor once, you think you're just what's left, a little sliver between forever and however. Research is challenged when folks wink and don't nod. I can often sense that there's something being communicated between people spouses, old friends that's done with so much discretion I can't pin down what's really being said. I would have had to have been there in the bygone moment when whatever happened happened thing that isn't named out loud today, only alluded to. It makes me wish I could ask follow-up questions to conversations nobody knows I'm listening to. Joe is in a similar position, alienated by a lack of access to a local history he hasn't lived or been told, which touches him directly or or indirectly, every day of his life.
2: Joe. One time, me and a woman were intimate on the 45th latitude. So what am I still doing in Lulu and not at the 45th latitude? But I am. I'm pretty sure Marianne is my mom. Her look, the way I look, the way she looks at me, the way people look at me, when I'm with her, and the way she turns and looks at me and then looks away. Every part of me wants out. But she's in a fix. I guess the 45th latitude isn't going anywhere.
0: An old playwright once said that 2% of people think. 3% of people think they think. And 95% of people would rather die than think. I'm looking around me. Who's thinking? Am I thinking? Do I think I'm thinking? Wait, what is thinking really? In her foster home. Candace Bauer has a conundrum. Maybe that's thinking. Candace Bauer.
2: Every day after fourth period, Duncan Coons leaves his sci-fi lit class in the second portable. He does the shortcut across the tennis courts. He goes up to his locker on the second floor of the science building. And that's when I talk to him. (laughs) Last Thursday, I'm up by his locker. I guess I'm waiting to see him. And he comes in with these, like, not flowers. Well, like a a flower, I guess he made on some software program. Had it printed out of plastic. Etched with my name. Candace Bauer. And the date. And his name. And he asked me to prom. And I don't get to do proms. I don't get to do limos or dresses or boutonnieres or fancy dinners. I don't do that stuff, so I tell him no. And his mouth drops open. So I'm trying to explain it to him, and I'm kind of stammering about how I'm poor and don't have things and don't have a mom and all this stuff. And he blurts out, I'm going to quit the rowing team. And I say, why are you going to quit the rowing team? You're almost done. You're the captain. And he says, to get more hours at work. Because he works at the drive-in flipping burgers. Because I'm going to make enough money to pay for prom. And then maybe you'll go with me. And he did it. He quit the team. (laughs) And I hear from his mom the other day, and she's going off about how my son was in line for a very important scholarship opportunity, Candace Bauer. And I really got really, really yelled at. (laughs) You know, Joe would never go to prom. And I... I think I want to go. I think I want to go with Duncan.
0: Mayor Minor.
3: There was a lot of passionate discourse when the larger businesses started moving into Lulu. These so called superstores. Yes. People were frightened, unsure. It's true that some cherished and historical establishments ended up boarding up their windows. I'm not making people shop at superstores. How sad do we deserve to be when we voted in our ways with our wallets, with our patronage? How sad do we get to feel when in practice this is what we seem to want? I spoke with a particularly upset orchardist who was agitated about this um, cultural shift we're undergoing. We can scream into a pillow about agricultural grievances or we can participate in our own home. This was in a Walmart parking lot. Incidentally, he had a Happy Meal sitting in the passenger seat giant Starbucks in his hand. I I wanted to say, you know, what are you really asking? The rhetoric in this community was already elevated. When a new venture, a new opportunity found its way across my desk, I have the best interests of the concerned citizenry at heart. That's why I greenlit the project. But how can I appease a community that makes a habit of lying to itself?
0: This particularly upset orchardist refers to Angus Jackson, whose trees are suddenly near death, as if afflicted by some new, unnamed disease. Desperate times have led Jackson to consider other sources of income, sources I understand he wouldn't otherwise consider. This includes a potential below-the-board deal with Chesterfield Brownie Brown, Jackson says the
3: following. So I run into Brownie at in the store. And Brownie wants to know if I had planned for the space in the barn. I wants to talk rental. He says a number. It must be trouble.
0: I've been thinking about this. Wondering, theorizing what it is Brownie has in mind. I'm reminded of Brownie's recent scheming. I say... I got
3: a sum of money. And he say, how much? And I say, four figures, almost five. If you think you no way take that money, make it more money,
2: I'd put it up.
0: What's up with all this? What is it Brownie has in motion? Tamara Tillman.
1: promised me he was going up Hooper's Hill. Me and him stood there on Avenue C looking up and he said to me, somebody's getting very rich up there on that hill. And I know he's right. And I want to be a part of something like that. What's so bad about me, you know? Like why can't I? And I even get him a uniform. Try to make a nice first impression on these guys cuz I want to show them more serious about and I try to drive up, and they won't take us, turn us away, and Brownie's just sitting there like a lump. And I go, fine. I can't hang my hat on Brownie, and I can't afford to wait around. So I snag the hard hat, and that nice new button-up I went out of my way to get him, and I make a commitment, a real commitment, to myself, to my son, to my family, And Brownie just left on a scavenge. And the next time they open that gate, I'm in.
0: like the tears meant nothing the wishing turned to bluffing you know i really tried